Hare Krishna. We welcome everybody to the first day of the celebration of the Julan Yatra, the swinging of the deities, Radha and Govinda. Rupanugadas here with you. We're going to be speaking a little bit from the Srimad Bhagavatam today. But regarding the Julan Yatra, that was one of the first ceremonies that I ever participated in in a Hare Krishna temple. And that was in probably 1977, 78, something like that, in Berkeley, California, the Berkeley Temple. I happened to be out there on a business trip, and I found my way from the hotel over to the temple. And I went in, and they invited me to swing the deities. And I thought, well, this is pretty nice. Pardon? When did it happen? 77, 78. Something like that. Sometime in there. No, I don't remember. Mr. Bhagavan Prabhu says he was there at the Berkeley Temple in that time period. Uh, I remember the, the only person I really spoke with that I can remember at that time was a young uh, boy from the I think from the Philippines. Yeah, young fellow. And he, he, uh, outside that I was leaving the temple and he stopped and spoke to me a little bit out there outside the temple. Very nice. Interesting. That's the only encounter that I can remember with another a devotee at that time. Uh, for those of you who would like to read along with us when we start reading from the Bhagavatam, we're reading today from the first canto, ninth chapter of the Bhagavatam, and the text is number 16. First of all, we'll invoke the blessings of the Supreme Lord with a little singing. Jayarata Madhava Kunjabihari Jayarata Madhava Kunjabihari Gopi Janna Vallabha Girivaradhari Daya Gopi Janna Vallabha Girivaradhari Dasuranandana Bajajana Ranjana Dasuranandana Bajajana Ranjana Damunatira Vanachari Jamunatira Vannachari 
Paramahamsa Paribhidaka Charja Hasto Tarasita Sri Simara's Divine Grace Srila Esi Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Ananta Kori Vaishnavrinda Ki Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Nitai Gaur Premananda Hari Hari Bhaul All glories to the assembled devotees All glories to the assembled devotees All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. Nama Om Vishnu Vadaya Krishna Pristaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swaminiti Namane Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nivishesha Shunyamari Pashatare Shatarine Jai Shil Prabhupada. Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 9, the chapter entitled, The Passing Away of Bhishma Dev, text number 16. So we'll begin by reciting word for word the verse for today. Nam, he... Asya Karhichit Rajan Puman Veda Vidhitsitam Yat Vigyasaya Yukta Mukyanti Muyanti That's Muyanti Kavaya Api he, and now his poetry, Nahyasya Karichid Rajan, Puman Veda Vidhitsitam, Yadvigyasyaya, Yavig, I think I missed a syllable there, Yavigyasaya Yukta, Muyanti kavayo pihi Nahyasya karhichit rajan Puman vera vidhitsitam Yadvijigyasyaya yukta Muyanti kavayo pihi And please
Word-for-word translations, nah, never, he, certainly, asya, his, karhichit, whatsoever, rajan, o king, puman, anyone, veda, knows, vidhitsitam, vidhitsitam, plan, yat, which vijigyasyaya with exhaustive inquiries yukta being engaged muyanti bewildered kavaya great philosophers api certain I'm sorry even he certainly translation by his divine grace translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada Ki Jai. O King, no one can know the plan of the Lord, Sri Krishna. Even though great philosophers inquire exhaustively, they are bewildered. Repeat with me. O King, no one can know the plan of the Lord, Sri Krishna. Even though great philosophers inquire exhaustively, they are bewildered, purported by His divine grace. The bewilderment of Maharaj Yudhisthira over his past sinful acts and the resultant sufferings, etc., is completely negated by the great authority Bhima, Abhishma, rather, one of the twelve authorized persons. Are they called Mahajans? Bhishma wanted to impress upon Maharaj Yudhisthira that since time immemorial, no one, including such demigods as Shiva and Brahma, could ascertain the real plan of the Lord. So what can we understand about it? It is useless also to inquire about it. Even the exhaustive philosophical inquiries of sages cannot ascertain the plan of the Lord. The best policy is to simply abide, is simply to abide by the orders of the Lord without argument. The sufferings of the Pandavas were never due to their past deeds. That's a, that's a point that we need to understand very clearly. Sufferings of the Pandavas were never due to their past deeds. The Lord had to execute the plan of establishing the kingdom of virtue, and therefore His own devotees suffered temporarily in order to establish the conquest of virtue. Bhishmadev was certainly satisfied by seeing the triumph of virtue, and he was glad to see King Yudhisthira on the throne. Although he himself fought against him, 
Even a great fighter like Bhishma could not win the battle of Kurukshetra because the Lord wanted to show that vice cannot conquer virtue, regardless of who tries to execute it. Bhishma Dev was a great devotee of the Lord, but he chose to fight against the Pandavas by the will of the Lord because the Lord wanted to show that a fighter like Bhishma cannot win on the wrong side. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chakshurun Militam Jena Tasmai Sri Gurave Sri Chaitanya Marobishtam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Maya Drati Svaparantikam Shantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Nama Om Vishnu Badaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimate Tamal Krishna Goswaminiti Namane <coughs> So, Bhishma Dev, great devotee of the Lord, very powerful fighter, probably the, the most powerful fighter in the whole battle of Kurukshetra. We have to understand the role that he has assumed because he took the side of that person which was not who was not virtuous, and that was Duryodhan, the first son out of a hundred of the blind king Dhritarashtra. And only because of his greed and his lust for power and his, his apathy uh, his, his, actually his antagonism, not apathy, antagonism toward the Pandavas, the saintly Pandavas who were the devotees of the Supreme Lord. Uh, uh, even though uh, he was a saintly person, because he had been living in the palace at Hastinapur, he was indebted in a way to the person who was in power at that time, mainly, meaning mainly Dhritarashtra and his son Duryodhan. So um, we, we, we have to come to the point of accepting all the events that occur in this world, including all the disastrous effects that are, are going on in this world now, as the will of the Lord. Why does the Lord make us uh, or allow us to suffer, and and what is it that we have done which brings about those reactions? So, uh, what, one of the important, maybe the it's one of the most important understandings that we have as devotees of the Supreme Lord is that our suffering comes only from our own reactions. It only comes from our karmic reactions until we engage in the service of the Supreme Lord. At that time, the Lord takes over and says to uh, Mahamaya Devi, uh, this, this one is not under your auspices. This one is not under your control. I will supply him now whatever reactions I feel that he needs to turn his face toward me. So our our own reactions have been the cause of our suffering and what little bit of enjoyment we've had since we've been in this material world. But as some people might say, well, the Lord is not very just, and he makes mistakes. But that is not true. 
because we know that the Lord is just and that He's infallible. And as a matter of fact, in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, he, he states as much himself, because he is the speaker of the Bhagavad Gita. Um, in chapter 7 of the Bhagavad Gita, text number 25, he says, Naham prakasya sarvasya yogamaya samavrita mudho yam nabijananti lokomam majam avyayam. I am never manifest to the foolish and unintelligent. For them, I am covered by my internal potency, and therefore they do not know that I am unborn and infallible. I am unborn and infallible. And again, he states in the 15th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Yasmat charam atito ham aksharad apichotama atosmi loke vedecha pratita purushotama. This is the uh, 18th verse of the 15th chapter. Because I am transcendental beyond both the fallible and the infallible, and because I am the greatest, I am celebrated both in the world and in the Vedas as that supreme person. So the Lord himself acknowledges the fact that he is supreme. He says that for the benefit of Arjuna, to whom he is speaking at the, uh, just before the commencement of the battle of Kurukshetra. So uh, if, if the Lord is always just... And he's always infallible, as he states. Then we understand that he doesn't make mistakes when he provides justice to us. That whatever reactions that we have to endure, uh, both good and bad, uh, might be coming with his sanction. But it's not coming just because he likes to see us suffer. So a lot of people think there is no God, because if there were a God and he's all good, then why would he allow the suffering to occur in this world? But he set up the rules. He set up the laws when he created this world. And he said we could have a very happy life if we just performed sacrifices in, 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 uh, uh, hand in hand with the demigods. Um, so uh, we understand then that all the suffering that we have had to endure and all of that which is going on now, particularly in the country of Afghanistan, where the United States is pulling out its military force and the dreaded Taliban is coming in to take over everything. Well, that, you know, that would inevitably have happened if the United States had not come in anyhow. Because it's always the more powerful parties in a country that eventually gained control of the of the running of the country. So uh, now the United States has done what it should have done, what it should never have done anyhow. It should never have gone into that country, uh, uh, except for the purpose of trying to help them become Krishna conscious. Because that's the only thing that we had to give them that would keep them from having to continue suffering as they are having to do now. So it's a very unfortunate situation. So uh, we say, we hold it true that no one else is responsible for our own reactions. So whatever whatever suffering that we've had to done, even after the time that we came and took up the practices of Krishna consciousness, 
even the suffering that we've had to do, have come directly from the Lord. It's not from the laws of karma anymore. But rather, our suffering is coming under the auspices of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who does not make mistakes. He does not cause people to suffer for what they have not done. Um, and the Christians have the idea, uh, according to the Scriptures, and I think this is an interpretation they have made, that because uh, Adam and Eve, who are considered the original personalities, uh, because they sinned, therefore, everyone who is born after them is also uh, associated with that sin. And that's the reason that we're having to suffer now. Even though we might not have done anything wrong, they say, uh, still, we have to bear the burden of the sins of Adam and Eve, the original persons, they call them. So uh, we, we understand now, with, according to the Vedic literatures, that that's not true at all. That uh, we, as human beings, do not have to suffer because of something that our ancestors have done. But rather, it is something because of something that we ourselves have done. If we could only understand that, you know, and accept that, it would make our lives so much more pleasant. Because then we would stop blaming God. We would stop blaming other people for the fact that life isn't going according to our plan. So by abiding by the Lord's will without argument, as is mentioned here in this purport, Abiding by the Lord's will without argument, we can then be happy because then we will be following the laws of the Lord and we won't be committing sinful activities which cause us to have to suffer. So we realize then that the Lord is the reason for this great battle that has taken place. And what was the purpose? Because he says that he he annihilates the sinful as one of his reasons for coming into this, uh, for adventing himself into this, into this world. He says in chapter 4, text 8 of the Bhagavad, Bhagavad Gita, uh, Paritranaya sadunam vinashaya chadusrikitam dharma samstapanatarya sambhavami yuge yuge. To deliver the pious and to annihilate the miscreants as well as to reestablish the principles of religion, I myself appear millennium after millennium. So 5,000 years ago, the Lord admitted himself, and these were his purposes, to deliver the pious and to annihilate the miscreants. And so everybody gets what's coming to him. So he also wanted to relieve the burden of the earth because uh, there were so many armies on the on the planet. Now, someone else, an, an incarnation of, of Krishna, did this earlier uh, actually, he's not an incarnation. He's an empowered jiva, and that's Parashuram. Did you know that Parashuram is a jiva? is an ordinary spirit soul like us, except he's not ordinary because he's empowered by the Supreme Lord, Shakti Veshavatar. So he killed all of the Chatriya uh, classes, uh, the administrative classes, 21 times, I think, wasn't it? With, and with, uh, armed with his chopper. And um, and so um, the Lord also has come just to relieve the burden of the earth. And even after the battle of, of Kurukshetra, there were still so many uh, forces on the planet. So many uh, the the Yadavas were still present on the planet. So the Lord was ready to relieve the earth of the burden of all those Yadavas because they could not be defeated. They were the Lord's own. 
people that he brought with him when he came from the spiritual world into this world. And so, even after the battle of Kutrashekta took place, he had to arrange that the Yadavas would engage in a fratricidal battle among themselves and kill each other so that there was practically no one left then to burden the earth with so much of this military might. Of course, one of his purposes in in, uh, taking part in the battle as the chariot driver of Arjuna was to establish the virtuous king as a ruler of the world. And who was that? The person who became the emperor of the world, who was the virtuous king? Yudhisthira Maharaj, right, right. Yeah, and so it's because of, of needing to uh, help ease the pain that Yudhisthira Maharaj is feeling for having, he, he accepted himself as the cause of all the destruction of so many millions of men, 640 million men killed in this battle in 18 days. And Yudhisthira is taking it on himself. He, he's thinking that if I were not so eager to become the emperor of the world, then this battle might not have taken place. But that wasn't the case at all. Krishna desired that the battle take place so that Yudhisthira, who was his son of Yamaraj, Yes, son of Yamaraj. He was the son of Yamaraj, and Yamaraj is the Lord of death. So he, uh, he had to help come, he had to come, take that position as ruler of the earth, uh, and do his duty. So Krishna wasn't about to let him get off without doing his duty. The earth needed a godly king, a Rajrishi, or Rajarshi, uh, to rule the world, and, Pat- and uh, Duryodhan was not that person. So Duryodhan had to give up his life because of insistence, his insistence on ruling the entire planet. Could not happen. So he established uh, Yudhisthira, and then uh, after the battle, he well, during the battle and after the battle, he took his eternal so- associates back to Vaikuntha, Lord Krishna did. Uh, that was the that was one of the main purposes of Lord Krishna in uh, arranging for this this whole battle to take place, and so even today, in today's modern society, especially in the century that we've just ended, uh, there were a number of persons who were evil in nature who came to power, and they tried to conquer the entire world. Hitler, in particular, and then Joseph Stalin in Russia and Mussolini in uh, Italy, and someone else in Spain. All these personalities were trying to gain power because they felt like they could. And they, and they did to a large extent. But by whom were they empowered? By Krishna himself. Krishna, uh, under, the, under the guise of his material energy. In other words, he gave these personalities what they wanted so badly and he allowed them to bring uh, pain and destruction to practically the whole planet. Millions and millions and millions of persons died just because they had the desire to become the most powerful person on the planet. Kind of like Hirani Kashipu in the distant past. He wanted to rule the entire universe. And he practically did for a time. But then he had to give it up. So then the Lord came as... Nursing a Lord Nursing a 
came as a half lion, half man form, and very easily just ripped apart this demon that no, not even the demigods could kill. So when the Lord sees that that, you know, it's time, uh, to have a little, little more peace and to get rid of the miscreants that are causing difficulties for everybody on the planet, then he either comes himself or he empowers someone else or he, he, uh, initiates the release of a virus. And COVID-19 has killed probably more people now than died in the, in the World War II. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm guessing it must be getting close to that. Millions of people have died because of it. And so this is all according to the will of the Lord. <clears throat> and so, uh, so some people will say, well, you say God is good, God is just. This doesn't sound like a just, good God would, who would do that. But he's simply giving people what, the, what their due is. If they can't follow the rules, can't follow the laws, then they have to suffer. And the rule books are there. The law books are there. But ordinary people will not accept them. They just will not accept them. They say that this lifetime is all there is. I'm going to enjoy it to the max. And if somebody else has to suffer for it, too bad. They probably deserved it. But, of course, they will also have to suffer, and they will do it. They will deserve it. So we have to accept the results of our own suffering. And one of the problems that devotees face sometimes is taking action against other devotees that they think are causing their suffering. And they forget that one of the ten offenses that we recite every morning in the temple room is, uh, what is it? The first offense is to blaspheme devotees who dedicated their lives for propagating the holy name of the Lord. And then some people add, all over the world. But even those persons who are here in our Dallas community who have not been all over the world preaching, still, those persons are quite saintly. And we know, we know quite a few of them ourselves. And we've experienced how... Uh, what used to be ordinary persons have turned into devotees of the Supreme Lord. So to take any action against those devotees, uh, as, 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 uh, think, thinking that they are the cause of my suffering then is wrong-minded. Because that's not true. They may seem to be the agents of my suffering. They may be seem to be the ones who are bringing my suffering to me. But if they are, that is all arranged by the Supreme Lord. And you want to fight with the Lord? You want to argue with the Lord that what he's doing is wrong? That the suffering he's bringing to me and my family is wrong? I, that it's really, he's, he's allowing it to happen and all these other devotees are, are the cause of it, the cause of my suffering. Wrong-minded thinking. And we, and, and then we have to, con- our suffering continues when we take that kind of attitude. So we sometimes we fail to even acknowledge our authorities, to accept them, and we consider them as ordinary. I was talking to one young man not so long ago who felt that he had been uh, rather slighted by his spiritual master. And, of course, he's thinking that my spiritual master, he's just like I am. You know, if, if somebody... If I decide to ignore somebody, you know, well, my spiritual master can also do that with me. And so sometimes people blame their spiritual master for, for, uh, for the suffering that they go. And sometimes they leave the International Society for Krishna Consciousness because they don't accept what their spiritual master has, has said to them or done to them or done for them. 
They don't accept it. So uh, uh, taking action against other devotees, failing to acknowledge our own authorities, believing ourselves to be always right because we're very rational thinkers and, and we reason things out and we say, well, this is the reason I'm having to suffer and it's because of this, this, and this. And that includes this person, that person, that person. Uh, and, and, we, and it makes a lot of sense to us. And I'm, I'm like that myself. You know, I'll, I'll think something out very rationally, and then somehow or other it, things don't work out that way. And I think, well, you know, somebody else made a mistake. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, not, it's not appropriate for us to think like that. So not accepting Krishna as the source of all of our reactions, uh, that's, that's what we should do. We should accept that Krishna is, in a way, the source of our reactions, but he does it, it happens automatically. It's not like he personally uh, causes us to suffer because of our reactions, unless we take to his devotional service. And as devotees of the Lord, we understand that the Lord says to Maya, back off. This one is not yours. This one is mine. I'm going to give him what it what he needs or she needs to turn her face back toward me. So don't worry about her, Maya Devi. Don't worry about this man either, because uh, they're going to have to suffer a little bit. I'm giving them a certain amount of their reaction. I'm reducing it, but I'm giving a certain amount of their reactions just so that they can come to the realization they cannot do it all by themselves. They think that they're so powerful, they're so smart, they, <laughs> they were straight-A students in school, they graduated from college, Kuma Samlati, and, and now they've gotten this big job, and they're making lots of money, and, uh, and they've gotten married, and they have a house, and their wife, and the children, and all those things, and they take it as, well, I'm, I must be pretty good. I've, I've done all this by myself. I did it my way as an old singer from a long time ago once sang. So uh, occasionally Krishna has to give us a real good slap, and that's the reason he sometimes allows the demons to become as powerful as they are, Hiranyakshi, Hiranyakashipu, and the others that have come after them. Uh, he allows them to gain power, and he, tell, he has to, you know, when the demigods, you know, they realize they can't, can't, can't deal with it, they go to Lord Brahma, the, the main person in the universe, and Lord Brahma goes to the shore of the ocean of milk. And he, and then he sends a tele, telegraphic, telephonic, tell us something message to the Supreme Lord, Sri Vishnu, uh, who is, who is lying down in the ocean of milk. And he, he asked, asked the Lord, you know, we need help. So we got a demon here in the universe and he's causing havoc to everybody. What can we do? And so the Lord has to tell them, this is not the time for you to try to fight with the demons. This is the time you need to back away. And, you know, there was a time when uh, even some of the demigods were serving Harani Kashipu. Yeah, sometimes that has to happen because that's, that's the Lord's will. It's what they're told. You know, the demigods are all devotees to some extent or another. And so when the Lord tells them to do something, they do it. Even though it's, they have to take a very lowly position. Well, what could be more lowly than the position that Lord Brahma took when he came into this world with Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and became Haridas Thakur, a Muslim? He became a Muslim, and and yet Lord uh, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then raised him, elevated him to the position of Nam Acharya, 
Uh, he's the one who knows more about and has more affinity for chanting the holy names of the Lord than anyone else does. And there's no way that we can imitate uh, Haridas Thakur. So see, he he had to he had he came back and took a very even though he was in the most exalted position in Satyaloka in this world in this universe. Still, when Lord Chaitanya came, he took the very humble position of Haridas Thakur, so lowly that he could not even enter the temple in Puri. Uh, he had to stay outside. And Lord Chaitanya, what did he tell him? He said, "You don't have to go to the temple." He says, "Just focus on the chakra at the top of the temple." And you'll get the same benefit as going in and seeing Lord Jagannath. So Krishna is very kind, especially kind when he comes in the form of, of Mahaprabhu. So it is up to us then to help other people by becoming exemplary. We must be exemplars and, and act in such a way that other people would want to become like us. And it's not for our egotistic purposes that we want to do it. Because Lord Chaitanya himself has already said, you have to take position, come more lowly than the straw in the street. More, uh, more, uh, uh, let's see, not complaining. Like, like take the, like, take the position of the trees. What is it? What is he saying? Become humbler, humbler than the great blade of grass. More tolerant than the tree. Pardon? Offering all respects to other people. Not, Not expecting, expecting anything returned. Mr. Bhagwan Prabhu, Ray, go ahead, please. If you will, please speak loud because that thing is. I listen on the radio and I can hardly hear you when you speak on that speaker. Offering all respects to others and not expecting any in return. Not expecting anything in return. Yeah. That's the hard one. Always willing to offer respects to someone else. So that's amazing. That's that's part of uh, becoming and and becoming an exemplary Vaishnava. And never speaking ill of other devotees, even though you might see someone doing something that is is uh, is is not according to our devotional standards. Still, we don't speak ill of them, uh, because the Lord says that my devotee, he, he you know, if he even if he has a, a, an accidental fall down, he will quickly right himself and bring himself back up to the standard. So. Um, uh, we, we we like to have the belief, we like to cherish the belief that Krishna will correct any of our authorities that are having problems. What to speak of ordinary devotee, even our authorities. If we if we think that there is something that's happening with you know whether it be temple president or a GBC member or uh, you know just a senior member of our community. Um, we don't have to take direct action ourselves if we're not in the position to do so. Uh, we can we can tell someone else. We can discuss it with someone else uh, who is senior to ourselves, and let if, if we need to be corrected in our thinking, then that person will help to correct us in our thinking. I've had this sort of thing happen with me when I went to Nityananda Prabhu, our temple president, and I was I was complaining about one particular devotee. And he says, uh, Rupanuga, we can't think that we understand, we know all the facts about everything. In other words, he's telling me, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. 
So you shouldn't be so concerned about that. Things are being taken care of. Uh, and I've heard that in, uh, in, in one temple that, um, there was a, a senior person there who was, uh, having some difficulties. And, uh, he was actually, had gotten into the use of intoxicants and he was not setting a very good example. And, and someone came to the temple president there and said, you know, why do you let this person stay in the community? Why don't you, why don't you boot him out? And, and the temple president said, we don't want to become known as a temple that uh, kicks out senior devotees. He said, we just be patient and let Krishna take care of it. If we can't take care of it ourselves, Krishna will take care of it. And he said, eventually, then, that Krishna did take care of that problem. That, uh, that vote devotee who was causing problems. He had to leave the community, but it wasn't because of anything the temple authorities did. See? So that's, that's the thing. If we, we have to have some faith and trust in our authorities and, uh, accept them as the servants of Krishna and know that even if, if they do something that we feel is not entirely appropriate, Krishna will act in such a way to correct their behavior. Because he doesn't want to just punish them and, and run them off. He wants them to come back to Vaikuntha Loka so that he can play with them again along the banks of the Jamuna. And if they leave, if they leave Iskan, how are they going to make enough advancement in this lifetime? They might, ha- might have to come back again and again in the age of Kali. And we know how bad things get in the age of Kali already in the past 50, 100 years. It's not a pretty thing. So then we tried to cooperate, uh, to push forward Srila Prabhupada's mission, accepting other devotees as, as being more pious than we are, accepting them as being more authoritative in Krishna consciousness than we are. And, and if we get to the point of thinking that we are, uh, we're really better than they are, and that we know more than they do, and we can preach better than they do, and we can invite, we can attract other devotees better than they can, we're in serious problems if we're thinking like that. So better always to follow in the instructions of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and take the humble position. And that's really easy for devotees to forget or not understand how they should put that into practice, to become more humble than the straw in the street, more tolerant than the tree, willing to give respect. To, and he said that if you can do that, then you can chant the holy names of the Lord continuously. Hare Krishna. Any comments, please, sir? Additions? Someone said to me that if Hare Krishna was real, then devotees who are wealthy would share their money with the ones who don't have as much money. Should share their money, their wealth, with others who don't have as much? Yeah, he said Hare Krishna can't be real because the ones who are rich don't uh, take care of the ones who don't have, who are more poor. So is that a, a criteria? I don't know. What do you think about that? Is that does that is that true? Does that really happen? That uh, persons who have wealth in our society don't give away their wealth to people who need money? 
Some sometimes uh, sometimes you know I I have had uh, devotees come to me asking to borrow money, and I. I keep remembering what Srila Prabhupada said that to lend is to lose. And that if you lend something to someone, then every time you see that person, you're going to be thinking about the money that person owes you. And that person's not going to, going to want to even encounter you because he knows he owes you money and hasn't paid it back. So you can actually lose friends by lending like that. And if you, and, uh, Mr. Bhagavan Prabhu, you're talking about a person giving money to other people who are not so wealthy. Uh, well, one might ask, you know, why is it that you don't have enough money to get by on? Uh, is it you, that you don't go out and, and do and work like I had to do, like you had to do and have to do, like you have to do? Is, and, and if giving you money, putting money into your hand that you didn't earn, is that, is that going to fix your problem? So sometimes doing those things which seem very munificent, being a benefactor, doesn't really solve anybody's problems. You've heard about people who win the lottery and, and get millions of dollars just put in their, put in their pockets and it ruins their lives. Because they have family members and just coming out of the woodwork, so to speak, uh, asking, you know, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? So uh, at least one of, one of the persons, no, more than one person who has asked me to borrow money from me in the past, um, they were simply not working. And I said, I, and I told one of them, I said, if you're going to be a householder, you got to work. If you're going to take a wife, if you're going to have a household, you're going to have children, you, you, you got to support them. So sometimes, Mr. Bowen, doing the things that seems uh, very kind and generous don't help at all. As a matter of fact, all they do is just give the person a little more time to go back into poverty that he's in right now. Sometimes, you know, what, what do they call that? Tough love? When when a when a mother doesn't give her child what the child is is crying for and begging for, because you know it's maybe it's a, a lollipop or something that's full of sugar and nothing value of any value to the kid's body, and that's all the kid wants to eat. And and so is she being unkind by not giving the kid what he's asking for? Of course not. Nobody with any any experience in household life would believe that. No, you have to, you have, sometimes you have to withhold. And if, if the person is, is, doesn't have money or doesn't have enough to get by on, there's a reason for that. Krishna could very easily make money available to that individual if that person deserved it and worked for it. Now, if a person is in, in dire straits, let's just say that, you know, the, the main, uh, breadwinner of the family is in an accident, something like that, and leaves the mother or the father with a, with two or three, four or five dependents, uh, then, uh, it, then it could be, that could be the time you need to step in. And generally speaking, persons who have wealth, they will see those things and they will become benefactors to that person to help them get through the rough spot. 
and help them get set up so that they can take care of themselves or they can get government assistance that can help them in that way. So just, no, just handing out money to people, just like giving money to the people on the street out here that live under the bridge. You know, I mean, you can give them $100,000, and what, what are they going to do with it? That's not to say that if they're hungry, you don't give them some to eat. And I know, Mr. Bargwin, you're, you've been really good about that. You take prasadam from the temple, put it on a nice plate, and you, you'll hand it to a person who comes up to your car asking for money. You give them a plate of prasadam. You've done that, haven't you? More than once. Not only, not only human beings, but also other living entities. You see that they get prasadam. And I've I've heard it said that, uh, let's see, they said that uh, grains are the best gift that you can give anyone. Grains. But more valuable than grains is prasadam. Foodstuffs that have been prepared for, offered to the Supreme Lord, and now you've taken it back as the Lord's mercy. So uh, w- these these are topics that I think are appropriate uh, in talking about Bhishma Dave's leaving the planet. You know, so much of his life was spent raising these Pandavas, the five brothers who were godly boys, and he also uh, took on his as his responsibility in raising the sons of Dhritarashtra. He was the grandsire to them as well. He acted as their grandfather. And he made arrangements for, you know, the living accommodations for, uh, martial instructions. He got Dronacharya to come in there and, and teach them all how to, how to, how to fight in battle so that they could do what Chatris are supposed to do. And that is protect the kingdom, protect the innocent people so that they can get on with their work, their livelihoods. And so if we can, if we can take that kind of attitude, be like, if we can somehow or other become like Bhishma Dev, that uh, then uh, then that's not a bad thing at all. Because look, even though he fought against godly persons, the Pandavas, even though he fought against Krishna, he showered Krishna with arrows whenever he had the opportunity. Krishna accepted accepted them as, as like flowers being thrown at him from Bhishma. And, uh, and when, when Krishna picked up the chariot wheel, the broken chariot wheel on the battlefield and rushed at Bhishma to kill him because he was giving Arjuna such a hard time, uh, you know, what was Bhishma's reaction? He said, come my lord. Come, strike me down. This was Bhishma's reaction. And so at the very, at the end of his life, and who is he seeing? He's looking up there. He's seeing the Pandavas, saintly person, and he's seeing Krishna himself. So you know, if we could if we could even gain one percent of the good qualities of of Bhishmadev and the Pandavas. You know what? How fortunate would we be? We could see Krishna every day. He could be our. You know, we could see him as our friend, and that's what we're hoping to get to. So then we so we have to become exemplary in our behavior, so that not only Will it benefit us? But it will benefit everybody who comes in touch with us. And we want that to happen. Not because we want to become popular people, but because we want to see the best thing happen to those persons who come into contact with us. Is that okay? Is there anything else anyone else wants to say?
when uh, Krishna had the chariot wheel, and then he didn't have to to use it on Bhishma Dave because uh, of the way things went. He got tackled by Arjuna. <laughs> Krishna, Krishna, the Supreme Lord, whom nobody can catch. He's, he allows himself to be tackled by his devotee. Go ahead. So Krishna threw the wheel over his shoulder, and it flew across the continent of India and landed in next near Mayapur at a place called Ekachakra. Ekachakra. Because Ekachakra meant the wheel, the one wheel. So after the battle of Kurukshetra, Krishna tossed this chariot wheel, it lands in West Bengal and then Lord Nityananda takes birth at Ekachakra. Is Was that all kind of planned out? <laughs> oh, Krishna and his pastimes, they're amazing, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Was it all planned? Yeah, of course it was. Just like when uh, Arjuna uh, needed to shoot the person who had uh, killed his son um, on the battlefield. Jayadratta. Is that what you're saying? Jayadratta? Yeah. Uh, yeah. When uh, So, um, Arjuna had, had, had fought all day to try to get close to uh, uh, Jayadratta. Because he had, uh, he, uh, Arjuna had taken a vow that if, uh, that I will kill him by the end of the day. If I don't, if I don't cut off his head by the end of the day, I will, I'll enter fire. Arjuna said that. And Krishna's his chariot driver. So Krishna, uh, you know, allowed him, you know, he took him where he needed to get to, to get to Jayadratha, who had killed, uh, Abhimanyu. I think he was responsible for killing Abhimanyu, wasn't he? Yeah. He and five or six others warriors surrounded him, but I think Jayadratha was one that actually killed him, wasn't he? Anyhow, so Arjuna was was going to kill him, and uh, but the day was coming close to an end, and and then suddenly the sun goes down behind the horizon, and 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 everybody is overjoyed. Everybody on the other side, on the other army, were they were overjoyed that now Arjuna will enter fire and we will be able to win this war. And then what happens? Arjuna, uh, Krishna made it appear as though the sun had gone behind the horizon. But then all of a sudden the sun appears again just at that, and at that moment then, Jayadratta jumps up into the air, you know, in joy. And Krishna tells him, shoot, Arjuna. And so he shot and said, shoot again, shoot again, shoot again. And so his arrows carried uh, Jayadratta's head all the way to the place where Jayadratha's father was sitting in meditation. And it landed in the lap of his father. Now, why did all that happen? Because Jayadratha's father had, had, had said that whoever causes my son's head to hit the earth will die himself. Or is that, was that something like what he said? I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And so when, when that head landed in his lap without recognizing it to be his own son's head, 
you know, he threw it off his lap onto the ground. And he himself had to die because he's the one whose son, who caused his son's head to touch the, to hit the ground. And was this all planned? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wonderful. Pardon? Uh, in, <laughs> incredible string of coincidences. Mr. Bogan was saying. Yes, that's an amazing thing. Any other comments or questions before we go? Then we should go. Thank you all very much for being here. And all of you who are listening in or who are listening in after the class today uh, in the archived version, which is at Krishna.com, or no, Kalachanji.com, RadhaKalachanji.com. Uh, you can go there and uh, go into the menu and go down to Media and uh, click on that, and then it says archived recordings or something like that. And so you can, if you're listening to the class after the after today or sometime tonight, maybe uh, we thank you very much for joining us and taking part in this uh, discourse, starting your day with some philosophy. And it's to you that we offer our respectful obeisances. Vanchakod patarubhischa kripasindubhyevacha patitanam bhavanibhyo vaishnabhyo namo namah anantakoti vaishnabhrinda ki jai Srila Prabhupada ki jai Shishirada kalachanjidam ki jai Gaur Premananda Haribo